On this episode, I'm joined by my first ever co-host, Brett Gingold, and we sit down and interview Ashanti Samuels, a professional bareback rider that has an incredible story of coming from nothing in the projects of Atlanta, Georgia, to now living in Central Oregon, where he runs six different businesses, including Rain Shadow Organics, Samuel Trucking, an excavation company, a hemp harvesting company, a CBD processing company, and a custom soil blending company. Along the way, Ashanti has learned a lot of lessons, become friends with some of the biggest names in the rodeo world, and broken a few bones. My mom told me something. She was like, son, I'll tell you what, you pray, you believe, you go ahead and just manifest that it is gonna happen when it's meant to happen. So she was like, well, just thank God for what you pray for. You always wanna, you know, you're always praying for this, that, and the other, but just thank him and know it's gonna happen. So I'm, I'm thinking like, man, how do you thank somebody for something that you haven't got yet? You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. My name is Chris Kiefer, the host. And today, you're not going to believe this, I'm actually sitting in a farm store attic with Ashanti Samuels and Brett Gingold. Um, Brett and is actually going to be the first co-host of any episode on The Pursuit of Purpose. So I have no idea how this is going to turn out. None of us do. Well, real quick, let me interrupt. The way that Chris and I became together is Chris and I uh, exercised together in CrossFit on uh, early 6 a.m. in the morning, and I didn't really know Chris's background, and then one day I just, I think, started talking about this story. What I learned was that Chris, Chris had done a documentary called Beat Feet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's an incredible story. I don't have time to get into it now, but in the process, I said, well, I, I got this story that I want to tell. And then we just started talking, and then that's how this all came to be. Kind of pure chance, cool. really. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, depending upon how good Ashanti is at telling his story today, <laughs> we might make a documentary in the future. So. I, I think we should. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Brett, why don't you just give your two cents on, on how you know Ashanti and whatnot? Sure. The background um, is that uh, I'm a local physician, and I used to hang out at a lot of, uh, well, I still do hang out at rodeos providing uh, medical coverage and I've been doing that for maybe 12 years now and uh, in the process I I met Ashante and from that first moment he was the most polite and uh, um, humble person that I had come across and naturally I gravitated towards just learning about him and his story and through those experiences at the rodeo um, I was able to uh, come closer to him, take care of him. I uh, actually take care of his mom and uh, just chat and get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was just really intrigued by how he came to to Oregon. Not just um, how he started, but his professional rodeo career and then beyond, becoming a very successful business owner. So um, to me, this was one of the the greatest stories that I ever heard. And I've always wanted to tell it or at least uh, be part of uh, making it known to other people. Brett, I appreciate it, man. think the same with you, too, dude. We owe you yeah. a lot to credit, man. But to be a friend outside of all that, too, is 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 it's it's icing on the cake. So, I mean, I really greatly appreciate yeah. that, dude, I, man. That's kind of you. We'll I be, appreciate that. Thank we'll you. We've been buddies for a long time, for sure. 
Uh, <laughs> good people, just good people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and I guess I, I should say, <laughs> I should say, Beat Feet is actually officially now available on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can look up Beat Feet. That was a, a project that a group of people put a lot of effort into many years ago. And uh, we'll see what happens. Doing but, what with Beat Feet? So Beat Feet is a documentary that we made about a military veteran named mm-hmm. Scotty Smiley. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the first active duty blind military officer to complete a, well, to do a number of things. But what we were looking at was he uh, completed an Ironman. So the 212 mile bike ride, uh, 2.4 mile swim and a marathon all in the same day. And he did it blind. Um, so if you're confused as to how that's possible, you can check out the documentary, but, um, back to, <laughs> back to this story. Um, I guess, uh, before, before we get into the specific, can you give us the, like the origin story of, um, Ashanti Samuels? So from the age of about three and a half to four years old, I, um, I took interest in, and in, of course, animals and, and, uh, horses and cowboys you know which i got to see on television you know first off my brother was kind of on the outskirts he was a young teen still trying to um you know he was trying to figure out his way in life you know because we didn't have a father around so my mom worked all the time so of course i found my in the safest place um in my neighborhood to be was in the house so um, i watched a lot of television and i caught myself just watching nature shows all the time um loving to just learn about animals this that and the other and um without a father figure around of course you know i i wanted to still take on a identity and a purpose you know and and, so initially the first time you saw a horse was on tv so when was the first time that you actually saw a horse because i imagine um, there's not too many horses just Roman the pastures of Atlanta, Georgia. No. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, at about the age of four or five years old, I went to elementary school called um, Brickview Elementary, and um, a man named Larry Randall was a local that lived just on the outskirts. He was an African-American cowboy, and so he um, came in the city with his horses a lot, so he brought his horses to my school, and um, man, I... I mean, just from the smell of those horses and the animals, man, I mean, it it just drove me nuts. And so I rode, rode ponies. He had some ponies and stuff there and horses. And um, and so it was, this was a field trip or he brought the horses to He brought to the, the horses school. to the school. That's yeah. Awesome. And then after that, you know, of course, I was crying and acting all crazy. Didn't want to be done with it for the day. And my mom, uh, I... I told her i was like find out where he lives and all this stuff you know what i mean and she made sure she got his info and and tried her best you know as a single crazy hard working i mean three jobs two jobs at a time single mom she she worked her hardest to be able to still get me out there to go ride as much as i could right i have a i have a quick question did did any of your uh other family or friends have these same values? Did, was anyone else no. as, as enamored with uh, wildlife as you were? No, no one, man. And it was I was so lost for so long in my life, up until probably the age of 23 when I met my grandpa, my mother's father, for the first time. I saw the the meaning and the reason why, you know, I was, I am who I am. Was there any, like, 
what is Ashante thinking? What what is he going to be doing with his life? I don't know. You know, it seemed like she definitely. I remember her always saying, you know, trying to snap me out of horse mode, <laughs> <laughs> wanting to go and ride horses all the time. And isn't that? Oh man, you should have heard her mouth. She, <laughs> it, it was something else, you know, because didn't make good grades in school at all. No year. And thank God they had summer school because that's the only reason why I passed the handful of grades that I got to pass. Had a little deal where I used to skip school and I used to steal some horses and ride them when I was a kid. And uh, and nobody knew about it because I'd go out in the woods and cross the fence and I seen these cool looking horses, man. They were paint horses. So I started going out every day, hanging with them. I, I just knew when I found them that one time, I was like, oh, yeah. You're going to come back? Oh, every day I wasn't did going you to get school the, then. Did you bring a saddle or did no, you, just, no. you just rode them without oh, a saddle? I didn't have a saddle. I nothing, man. Did we you ride them then? Bro- oh, yeah. I got to <laughs> bareback. So That's I the started first, kind okay. of taking them and doing and riding them, you know, and then playing around. And then if they got to running too fast with me or or anything, I'd just jump off and hop off. And then, <laughs> especially when I started running down towards the house where the, whoever owned them lived. And um, so I'd just jump off and dive off and take a big old digger, you know. And uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And later on, I ended up, um, a couple years later, a few years later, I started. I met the man, and I ended up breaking and training horses for him and doing stuff. He Did never, you ever tell he him? He never knew. I was like, to no, this day, Jesse Davis, if you ever hear this, buddy, there you go. There were your horses right behind Camp Creek Middle School. Yep. That's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's what that was. But, yeah, um, as I grew up, not a cute little kid no more, getting a little bit bigger, know how to ride. Everybody's like, no, you ain't just going to be coming up getting on my horses and just riding for nothing. And so you know, I started cleaning stalls and mucking stalls, doing anything I could do just to be around them. I didn't even have to be on a horse. I just needed to to have them right there by me or do something that was related. And so I did that for quite a long time. And then if I did want to ride, I had to ride something that nobody wanted to ride. And so then I started you know, I started working on just getting on kind of uh, Bronx, just kind of bad horses that people had. They were either either young or they brought in wild Mustangs a lot of times. After a while, I was like, Pretty I gotta, good at staying gotta, on these things. Yeah, and, I, and then I had an unlimited amount of horses because it turns out more people had horses they were scared of riding than they did riding. So I was like, shit. And then Larry started putting on little small rodeos at his ranch and um for the community and things like that and so when i was 16 i got on a bareback horse you know for the first time at his ranch and he started you know at first he got a bareback rigging from somewhere and then he started kind of training me on a broke horse and different things like that and um then he started you know flanking and making the broke horse kind of buck and kick a little bit you know what i mean and i had to a stay on it of course and then i fell off and broke my arm and but uh yeah so anyways so first broken bone was age 16 how many bones have you broken today oh, as of today can't count can't count but like yeah. more than a dozen yeah well oh yeah because yeah. i mean both legs probably at least twice a piece maybe ankle arms both arms hand bunch of bones in my hand yeah i could attest that his shoulders aren't so good either 
Yeah. <laughs> he some, so he has some soft tissue injuries, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Brett, he went in my left shoulder about in six places and went in and did a bunch of work there in that shoulder. And the right one was worse, and I'd never done it. He never went back. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Don't make me look old. No, nah, I respect oh. that. I respect that. <laughs> I yeah, respect um, it. <laughs> then, yeah. um, so Larry Randall came into your life. Mm-hmm. And then how old were you when you actually did like a legit rodeo competition? Um, 16, 17. Cause and I, that was for, there was like prize money involved and stuff? Yeah. Um, they had little shows right there in town and they had a place called Henderson Arena. And they had um, these rodeos came called the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeos. And they're African-American rodeos that are dedicated to teaching about, you know, African-American heritage within rodeo. And so um, they they traveled around and they came to the inner cities. And um, that's when I really met some guys who were doing it for a living. And these guys were pretty hardcore players in rodeo and they were African-American. So they were there at that. Um, Henderson's Arena at doing putting on rodeos and so um, I got to talking to those guys and was like man that's cool you know I want to ride bucking horses and I kind of started and I've been trying this guy named Donald Goodman got to speaking with him and um, and I remember asking him uh, it's like what else do you do in Texas he's like hmm? nothing and I was like so you just rodeo you just ride Bronx it's like, yeah it's like that's all you do it's like, yeah. It's like, you make, that's all you do for your money? And he's like, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't more. believe it. And that was the rainbow's end, man. For me, I was like, oh, here we go. Sign me up. You know, and um, man, it was a rough ride the whole way, you know, starting out. That's when I, I mean, the the beatings started for sure when it came to, you know, me practicing and riding. And, and I started riding bulls, too, because they didn't practice uh, buck have horses around to practice on mostly a lot of guys kind of start riding bulls and so i got tired of watching them practice because nobody had horses and so i started riding bulls and actually end up being pretty damn good at it you know out of the gate and doing good and and but um how how uh how big were you like physically wise at that point because i watch guys ride bulls and they don't have the same physique as you no, they don't, man. Well, but I think that's also describe the physique of a normal person and then describe Ashanti's physique. <laughs> most of them. Because <laughs> no one knows what Ashanti looks like. Yeah. There's a, there's a discrepancy. Most of the guys that I see ride bulls are, are uh, kind of like jockeys are riding horses. They're, they're smaller, petite. They're, they're very athletic, very coordinated. Uh, they just tend to be a little smaller frame. Uh, Ashanti, what do you stand? 6'3", six, 6'4". Yeah, I'm 6'4". Six, 6'4". Some change. And, he, and he's broad, broad in the shoulders. He looks uh, more like a you know, football player, basketball player than, than more of a rodeo guy. Some of the rough stock rodeo guys have his physique, but not, but not bull riders. Mm. So yeah. uh, to have Ashante riding bulls and even bucking horses for that matter, you know, he's, his physique is, doesn't make it easy. It's all, probably a disadvantage, no. I would think. Oh, uh, only if you let it be, you know, it seems like yeah, that's, no. that's the only way I got as far as I got, you know, kind of like no excuse deal. I learned to look at my body and myself and in, in, in a special way to where I looked at what I had as the advantage other than the disadvantage. But I mean, when you first got on, did you have any, I mean, any formal training? I know, I know guys were horses or bulls either one i mean i i mean no. i just think like that's going to these rodeos and watching um watching that that confrontation yeah. between man and and, and beast yeah. and it's it's impressive yeah. so i i think like 
I mean, I, I know a lot of young rodeo people here in Central mm-hmm. Oregon that just get on, and they yeah. end up in my office. Yeah, and, I just uh, got on, and my first, I think, eight bulls I got on, I rode them all. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible story. It is. I mean, some people might call it, you know, bullshit, whatever, but if you was there, you know, and if you're me, you know. And, yeah, no, I, I, and I, I believe got, the you know, and it's yeah. cool, And it was, yeah, it was something else. I mean, that, you know the get off wasn't all that good and and all the time you know and uh but yeah. one thing that i am just noticing as you're talking about this like Im- immediately so brett says which we're all thinking being tall is a little bit of a disadvantage and you mm-hmm. immediately like well if you let it if you focus on that but in i feel like what you just said and then if you think back on your story so far you're not talking about any of the obstacles it's almost like you're not seeing them was it more like was it just an instinct that yeah. from an early age you were just like this is what i'm doing and i don't yeah. see the reasons i can't do this or did you have to overcome yeah. that yeah i had to always come uh, overcome it for sure i mean it was a struggle the whole way when you don't have the support system that you wish you had because you know mom's working like crazy of course and trying to raise us kids and and take and just feed us and make sure we had a roof you know which was very tough we moved a lot and, and done different things like that and so um and actually just for like um to paint a picture of where we're going again how much thing. like back and i don't know i'm assuming it's relatively the same like at a fair the county fair or something how much money do people win um you can i mean a good one you'd win a couple grand a little over a couple grand just right there locally you know and uh but you know still if you won seven eight hundred dollars was good five hundred i mean shoot depends on how you felt that week but i mean i was happy to win a you know win a rodeo or win a piece of a rodeo and still like win a hundred something bucks because when you and when that's all you're doing i mean you still some some weekends i ate steak some weekends i ate bologna it was just it was just depending you know on what the on what the cars were you know what i mean and so do it so chris you had to put it in perspective these uh i mean these guys are traveling thousands of miles on their own on their own dime for eight seconds i mean when they're going to the rodeo it's not like it's not like a game that's a certain amount of time or it's not like you get a certain amount of rounds of riding usually it's just one ride a session one ride a a rodeo so you got probably three four days strong hardcore that you working just to get to an eight second mark that you just don't window that you don't even know how it's gonna go but you gotta go no matter what and so you got four days of eating um eating all the expenses expenses, fuel hotel rooms let me ask this is this might be a good transition to uh how you ended up coming out to Oregon uh, and riding and living with one of the the best and most accomplished bareback riders of all time, Bobby Moat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of Bobby Moat almost like the the Tom Brady of, of of rodeo, just because of how long his career is, his accomplishments, and what he's done for the sport. So, uh, tell tell us tell us how did this happen? How did how did how did you and Bobby connect, and how did you make the transition to to Oregon yeah. life? And before you get into that, for everyone that doesn't know who Bobby Moat is, I did some research on this. So, Bobby Moat is a four time world champion bareback rider. He's qualified for the WNFR. What does that mean? It's the Nationals Final Rodeo. It's like the okay. Super Bowl of rodeo. Okay, so basically the Super Bowl of rodeo, fifteen consecutive times. 
with his first win coming in 2002 and subsequent wins in 2007, 2009, 2010. And he is the currently the highest grossing as far as career earnings go for any yeah for any bareback rider ever at uh, two point seven million dollars that he's won. Um, so, like Brett was saying, this is the Michael Jordan of basketball, the Tom Brady of football, and yeah. somehow you ended up living with Bobby. Yeah, I did, <laughs> from huh? Atlanta. So how does? How did you do that? Did you just find his number in a phone book and give him a call? Pretty much. <laughs> That's always the answer. it. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I started at, at about 18 years old. I went to school for a uh, fireman and EMT because I, that's what I really wanted to do because I knew I worked 24 hours and I'd be off 48. So I can be a fireman for 24 hours and be a cowboy for 48. <laughs> so that's kind of, I was like, oh yeah, this is the deal. And then, um, just worked away, worked away. Uh, and I, you know, I was sitting in my room one day and just having a hard day and I'm, you know, I'm reading this pro rodeo magazine. It's called pro rodeo sports news. And and I was have, remember having that hard day, you know, and I pray and I believe in God, you know, and I, my mom told me something. She was like, son, I'll tell you what you pray, you believe. And, uh, and, and, and when you believe in something, you go ahead and just manifest that it is going to happen when it's meant to happen. And so she was like, well, just thank God for what you pray for. You always want to, you know, you're always praying for this, that, and the other, but just thank him and know it's going to happen and just don't have to ask for the same thing over and over again and just believe it. And so I'm, I'm thinking like, man, how do you, uh, how do you thank somebody for something you haven't, that you haven't got yet, you know, kind of having a blind faith type deal. And so anyways, you know, I said some prayers and things like that and, um, and thanked him and, um, next day, you know, I'm looking at this Pro Rodeo Sports News magazine, and I start looking in the back of the magazine, and they have like a little um, listing of events, different things like rodeo schools and clinics that might be going on, mm, list of rodeos. Then they started listing each Pro Rodeo event. And so the bareback director is going to be this guy, the 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 barrel racing director is this and the bull riding and it's of the elite the top in the world you know so these are the directors who a lot of them are pro rodeo athletes themselves i was like well shoot i seen um i remember it was myron dort he's a really accomplished bull rider from hawaii and he's been to the nfr a few times and was a really accomplished um bull rider and so I was, and it had his number. I was like, that's Myron Dort's phone number. And I saw him on television, of course, all the time. And I was like, man, I'm going to call him up and ask him, like, who he know who can help me to ride bucking horses better, and just in case he knew. Do you remember, like, what exactly you said on the phone to him? Because oh, yeah, you never man. cold called anybody in yeah. your life, right? No. And you literally yeah. dialed his number in. What did you <laughs> like, say? Hey, I'm pretty sure I was like, Hey, I'm Shanta Samuels. I live in Georgia, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I ride bareback horses, and uh, I'm wanting to know if, like, there are any schools or clinics that you know about that I can go to to make, you know, to to get better at what I do, you know. Here's that man, you know, that you can get a list of all the, I think, the trade line of, like, trade, and sometimes you can get entered up in some rodeos to where, um, 
you both might be up as contestants and but you the way you're traveling is going to interfere with your traveling plans and so you can call me and say hey ashanti i'm up in sisters oregon uh tomorrow at at noon but i really want to be in union and are you going to union too so we swap days you know you end up riding on a saturday Mm -hmm. and i'll end up riding that friday but we'll flip flop you know because it just works out with our travel plans so um the cowboys it was a hotline where the cowboys can do that and then so i was like he was like yeah you can just get whoever's number you want there and ask them i was like all right, so I can get a list of the top 15 guys in the world and pick anyone and get the phone number and talk to them. And so I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, shit. Um, I was looking around, and uh, I just said, well, heck, if I'm going to call somebody, who would it be? You know. And then I was just started thinking about who is the best bareback rider. He was taller, and that was the coolest part about that because I said, I want to, yeah, I said, I'm going to pick the tallest guy I can, you know, to 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 ride like because I mean it, it'd be more realistic. And he ended up being nowhere near as tall as me for sure. I was still a high <laughs> duck. I was like, yeah, he's tall. He's tall. Yeah, but he's not, tall. He's but not as full as you, like you know. Yeah, he's and thick. he's like six one or or something or two. Slender, maybe. slender. Yeah. He's lean, you know, lean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lean and mean, He's Bobby. There you go. Bobby's all leaned out. Uh, and so, so, um, but I have to, before you say that, okay. because that's the thing is that I feel like you, like people paralyze themselves over like, how do I get to here? Oh, man. I'll and it literally is as simple as like, do you have a phone book or <laughs> do you have a magazine? And then who's the closest person you can get yes. to the person you want to get exactly. to? Exactly. And make a phone call. Cool. So then you, yeah, go back to your story. So you called Myron mm-hmm. and then uh, how many other people? Number. You got the trade number. And then how many other people did you call before N- Bobby? Nobody. One. Wow. <laughs> so you're shooting a thousand, a hundred percent on cold calls. That's amazing. Call him. And so I can't even believe I had a conversation his number. with Bobby. So you pretend? Did you have to say you were trying to trade with Bobby, or like how did you just said I need Bobby's number and they yeah, gave it to you? Yeah, something Bobby Moat's number. Yeah, I think that's how I went. Just like hey, yeah, I'm just trying to get phone number or something. I don't know what the <laughs> hell I did. <laughs> she probably said she probably didn't hear anything I said with my accent, you know. And I was pretty, I was way back, you know, worse than what I am now. When I, so she was probably like, all I heard was my remote phone number. So she like gave it to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, I got his number and I'm sitting there staring at it after I wrote it down. Couldn't believe it. I'm like, man, that's, that's crazy. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. So after I get through it, you know, I'm like, well, all right, this is what I'm going to ask him. You know, I'm just going to ask him just like I asked those other guys, you know, about getting help, getting better. And, um, I didn't think he was going to answer. I was hoping he probably wouldn't. So, but I <laughs> called it. He picked up the phone, man. I was like, oh, shit. Here he is <laughs> on the other line. And it was cool. You know, I just said, hey, man, um, you know, I was just calling to see if you had any schools or clinics or anything, you know, to help guys get better. Did you clarify, like, is Not this Bobby yet. or Mr. Moat or – yeah, like, hey, is this, I think so. I was like, hey, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I was like, um, okay, is this Bobby Moat? <laughs> He's like, yep. <laughs> right. Yeah, just it. Like, boom. I was like, 
oh, all right, well. <laughs> and then I just go to talking, you know, because I'm sure he was pretty damn flat and dry. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, then I told him, you know, I said, hey, man, you know, I just want to find out if um, uh, you have any schools or clinics, you know, to help guys get better and at riding. He's like, well, no, I haven't really did any yet, you know. But um, he's like, uh, I think he says, he's like, but, you know, if you need a little help, whatever, you know, I'll help you. And I was like, well, I was like, he's like, yeah, I'll help you one-on-one, you know, or something. And it's like, well, that'll work. <laughs> I was like, I was like, where do you live? <laughs> and uh, he was like, Oregon. He's like, well, where do you live? I said, Georgia. He's like, Georgia. I was like, oh, yeah. I said, dude, it don't matter. I'll do whatever it takes to get to get there, you know, and uh, and and I'm sure he probably. I mean, he just he was just a okay with it right out of the gate, you know. And uh, I don't. I'm sure he probably thought I might have been a friend of a friend's, you know what I mean? Because yeah, he, he I'm sure he had that. I mean, of course, you only have his number if you knew him, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so I just tracked him down that way, and then he um, was like, "Yeah, man." And then we started planning, and I was like, "Well." You know, we figured out a good plan on what to work, you know, which the deal was I was just going to come to Oregon. And at a lot of pro rodeos, they have turnout horses that people turn out, don't come get on it because they just are a no-show and couldn't make it or they didn't think the Bronc was good enough to win a bunch of money on. So they was like, oh, it's not worth going because the Bronx have stats too. Mm. And, um, and they have a little – you know, a little following so people know kind of what they do. And um, and he was like, well, you know, uh, yeah, you can come get on some turnout horses and, and, and help us drive. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll drive. I'll drive like a son bitch. Drive for from, for him. And his, no, yeah, just drive for him in the truck and travel with him and his traveling partners and just drive for him. And you know what That's I mean? Because they're doing multiple rodeos right. a week. Because they're, they're rolling like crazy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so I was going to drive for him and get on turnout horses. And so. But it was, that, it was that real quick. It was a one phone call that he just didn't hesitate. Dude, he, he didn't, like, man. He was, man, it was like an intervention from God or whoever, whatever you want to call it, man. But he was like, yeah, well, I'll help you. I was like, it, it, That's how giving they are. Right. Giving good people. But put it in perspective. It, it's like. You know, think about the top athlete in any sport, whoever that might be. I like to use Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Just think about calling up Tom Brady saying, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm just learning football. Can you show me how to throw a football? Right. Come on out. I kids can't imagine Tom saying, come on out. I'll teach you. That's amazing. But what, what tops it off is, um, you know, he set it up and, like, I was living with him. Like, in a, he didn't know how I looked, who I was, <laughs> what my history was. He just was. knew your accent. I knew that I had some funky accent, and he was like, "Man, just come on out, dude, and and just show me all kind of love, you know, like so that, you know. That's you, weird. You, you know, not you got one of the best coaches in the world and a place to stay and food from a phone call, a phone call, a place to live. Yeah, man, home. You know, it was it became to me for sure. Yeah, anything like that. How, how did your mom think of uh, the yeah, situation? Yeah, yeah, everybody. She was scared for me, man. I mean, I got coming out to Oregon was the hardest thing I ever did in my life because uh, I was broke. I was too tall. I was black. I wasn't going to get treated right. Um, you know, I, I didn't have nobody to have my back if I got in any kind of trouble. So I'll probably get killed or 
not be able to be found and just a whole list of stuff you know to add on top of my own psyche of wanting to like hoping that I'm good enough to to do because that that's my own self and I always gotta you know you you're in control of yourself uh, more than anything but sometimes you just don't know man if you're gonna be good enough so you move out here with Bobby and then this was in 2006 I think so yeah about. 2006 seven right and now. so then you just went into like you're working for him obviously helping him out and then you started getting more serious and did he like put you through training or hook you up yeah he was because i was supposed to come with uh and stay about three weeks before um and then you know learn everything i needed to learn i was just gonna go back to the southeast and kick everybody's asses (laughs) you know after three weeks of just a little bit of training you know and uh it didn't turn out to be that man i stayed eight months and then before i went back home and uh i um then sold the rest of the stuff i had you know and came back and just stayed you know because i knew it was for me you know and i you know i just couldn't believe i was here you know and so i just started getting up extra early on my own trying to like clean horse stalls and do everything i was doing and because i mean it it was more than a dream come true you know so of course i mean i couldn't sleep you know and so i was up doing stuff and, and they they liked to have me around and when he offered for me to live there a little longer and stuff like that that was real cool one of the the things this is like a belief that i cling so strongly to i don't know if you've heard of the saying you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with but from my from just observing your story i feel like not many people transplant themselves out of everything that they know and are Mm. comfortable with and literally like physically removed yourself from all the people that you had not that you didn't like them but when you you change the people that you were around all the time all of a sudden you changed like significantly yeah significantly for sure i mean you're in a vulnerable place because the people that i left that told me all those things whether they were good or negative um a lot of people loved me and 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 you knew they were just scared for you and just loved you and wanted you to be okay and so i definitely had to take a lot of information in that i didn't want to necessarily hear it the way i heard it or get the attitude that came along with it where it came from bobby or other mentors or whatever you know you just got to say you know what you know it always comes down to where am i trying to get to and this person whether they're they're being perfect as a communicator with me or not perfect like they have something that i really feel like i need in my life and i Mm -hmm. want and putting yourself past you know getting past your inner self saying man i can walk out of here and screw that whatever you know what I mean? And, and you get the moments and then, but why you stick around and, and why you still there and why you still swallow your pride and acting like, cause you, all you can hear is everybody behind you saying, man, I would never let them talk to me like that or say it like that or whatever. And, um, you know, but how bad do you want it, man? And, and I dang sure wanted it bad enough. And it was more than worth the effort of, uh, you know, that I had to take to, to get to where I'm at, man. I, I use every bit of what those guys taught me every single day in one in, in one shape, form, or fashion, you know what I mean? And I just, I dig it because I, I'm still 
living within the means of my own two hands and 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 I create my work I, I make my work I don't make no excuses to not to not um have anything that I need to have and don't take no shortcuts you know and that's mm. the the main thing there you know no excuses type of a deal you know because uh how do you learn that mentality um well just like you say that the people that you are around like the five people you know i do believe that you know you can get molded from pretty strong figures around you and that's what i tried to keep you know whether the five were all a super top five or you got you know you just still keep a uh, anchor within that five which is you know a good uh male or female role model and um in your heart man following your heart man it is hard to to just to your passion which some people say heart well what is heart your passion even you know of of what draws you to it whether you're making beer whether you want to be a bucking horse rider whether you want to be anything architect you know just wherever you're drawn to if you i find that i'm pretty sure that there's some form of protection there that will make sure that you're a-okay and you're gonna get through whatever that is in a, in a safer way than if you were somewhere where you felt like you weren't supposed to be you know what i mean in your life and so because it I mean, life is going to be dangerous at times, you know, and, and decisions are dangerous every single day. And uh, um, that when we make decisions, you know, we have to make a solid decision um, as much as we can. But if we're in the right, if we're in the right lane, uh, more than likely, man, you're going to you're going to stick around a whole lot longer and, and probably be well protected and and uh probably have a good you know hopefully have a good time doing what you're doing and going what you're after no matter what uh because i mean it's i don't know it's inevitable i think you know we're all here for a purpose to serve whatever purpose that is in our lives as a forefront you know and so you're not you're not crazy you're not uh uh lame or idiot or stupid or dumb for doing anything that you want to do and where you find out your passion kind of truly lies no matter how different it is because uh it takes you know it it takes everybody being one and unique to 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 make this world go around in a in a perfect way you mm -hmm. know what i mean what would your advice be to someone who's trying to figure out like what the hell am i supposed to do mm -hmm. Look within yourself, you know, if you wake up every day and you ask yourself to look in the mirror and say, if this was the last day of my life, you know, how would I spend it going, you know, in a working way other than um, just going to see your family and being with the people you love, you know. But if you had to go out and be productive at something and if, if, if the answer is yes and you're all good and all for it you know that's the thing you probably you need to be doing every single day because it's you know nothing's guaranteed you know for for life and where you're going and what's going on other than um you know you're going to be the guarantee of you following your tat your heart and being on the right path is uh it's just your desire that comes from within, you know, and just ask yourself that, man, and, and 
you gotta you gotta have a meaning you know and you gotta have a for who you are and what you're doing and um the meaning is it lies within you what you're looking at what you're feeling on the inside of you despite and you gotta not think about everybody mm-hmm. you know what i mean when you're looking within yourself you gotta definitely look within yourself not yeah, what, what not what somebody want to see you as because no matter what man i'm still ashanti kashif samuels I live in Central Oregon. I'm an African American man, and I'm still too damn tall. Came from being poor. Still work hard, like I got poverty at my back door, and I still love what I love and 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 stand for what I love. And uh, that's just you know being free, living within myself and my heart, and just making changes throughout my life as it goes on with no matter what how i feel you know so my business my businesses that i'm doing or or the place where i am in my life comes you can tell what's going through my heart at the time by looking at that because i'm definitely not going to be doing anything that i don't feel like i need to be doing you know every single day and um i think that's gonna that's gonna just always kind of remain right there and that the to wrap this up your business is rain shadow organics correct yeah so if someone was i don't know where do the people are that listen to this but if someone wanted to get something from rain shadow organics Mm -hmm. how far like you can you buy this online you can go to our website rainshadoworganics.com give any other closing questions i I, well not questions but just a statement um you know ashanta your your life story has been inspiring to me Mm. and i know that your mom is proud of you she's she's told me that and um, you know, I approached Chris with this with this story just because, um, in a time in which um, our country is very divisive and there's a lot of racial tensions, I thought that that relationship between you and Bobby was something very special. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you, you came from a place um, which is much different in which you live in right now. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the people here have been um, accepting of you. I, I I I'm not sure how your daily life happens, but mm-hmm. I know that um, the people that I know that know you have just think you're the, the greatest person and mm-hmm. and they're very blessed that you're in their lives so mm-hmm. for me I think this is one of the um it's a it's a it's a it's an amazing story and I, I hope you don't mind that we like to tell it because mm-hmm. I think in a time in which our country um, is having a very difficult time and very polarized sides uh, you you make me feel good mm-hmm. uh, this story makes me feel good and I think if other people heard it they would feel the same way it's a a great story i'm sorry well no dude i appreciate it you don't have to be sorry at all man because uh it's it's definitely pretty therapeutic to really be able to go back and reflect and actually have to think about things that i went through in my life and my story and um you know if you want to stereotype and you want to say oh man you know you look different or you know what i mean we act different and 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 you know these these folks ain't your family or they ain't your same color and this that and the other i mean that's a that's a you know that's that's a good reason for for you to just go ahead and and not go anywhere in your life when you want to sit there and make a damn excuse like that because you can sit on that excuse and ride it out and see where it gets you you know or else you can go out and 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 move around in your life to where you feel find out and feel like you can serve and fulfill your purpose which is to have fun 
dessert and, and enjoy the fruits of this earth while giving back as much as you can in a super selfless way to to the community around you and the world around you before your time is up. And uh, I'm going to give it, you know, the best I can, you know, and I got a new meaning in my life. And uh, I love I love everything about, you know, the transition that is made. And and it's definitely made me into who I am today, which is a total different person than I was in the beginning. But real quick, uh, do you know what's cooking downstairs? Something smells really good. It do smell like a. Banana bread or something? Something we need to be about. Oh, yeah, that smells good. So the only other thing I have to ask is, how can someone get in touch with you? Because I'm assuming you're not on the trade lines anymore, right? So I can't <laughs> yeah, go to the magazine no, and, and look it nah, up? Uh, you could choose. Through rainshadoworganics.com, okay. or you can, um, I mean, I don't know. You can probably just look me up on internet, and they probably give you my phone number. Are you on, maybe, like, Instagram you know, or no, Facebook, anything no. like that? Nothing. No. So rain shadow. Good luck. You're gonna have to work at this one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, you can go to rainshadoworganics.com. Um, I had a Instagram that I don't keep up with, but um, I have an email, ashanti.samuels at gmail.com, and um, you can get in touch with me there. And uh, yeah, if you if you are slick enough to get my phone number, then I might pick up and see what you're talking about. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Ashanti. And uh, yeah, this has just been yeah. fun. Through yeah, your radio you. station, dude, because we're going to keep hanging out doing some cool stuff. Yeah, so right. <laughs> through, through this podcast right here, right, they can get right. a hold of you. And yeah, if they, you're, I'll be the uh, Myron. If someone wants to contact <laughs> yeah, me, I might Myron. connect yeah. you with Ashanti. Yeah. If he charges you, let me know so I can make sure I get me some. <laughs> and thank you, Brett, for the connection. This has been good. Yeah, yeah this has been great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. All right. Good night. Thank you, everyone, for your attention and listening to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Your feedback and comments mean the world to me. If you liked what you heard, take a second and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. If you've got suggestions for future episodes or want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at chris at chriskiefer.net. And don't forget, I make it a point to include all of the links to the books, movies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode in the show notes. You can find those notes directly in the episode description or on my website at chriskiefer.net. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people.